Chill, chill, chill. Your boy is back. Back in the building, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Page Turners Podcast, man, with your boy, Elgin Bailey. I am here. I am ready to roll. Um, This is the Page Turners Podcast, man, where each season we pick a book and we walk through that particular text page by page, line by line, uh, with the thought process and the belief that there is liberation through reading. Uh, So I like to really chime in, man, and begin to look at different texts. Uh, This particular season, I have picked The Myth and Propaganda by Dr. Jared A. Ball as the text for this particular season, a much needed, much required or should be required text. Uh, And I am thankful for all that he has done in allowing me to read this particular text, man. Uh, But again, folks, you can catch me on all of your social media platforms. For those who will be listening to the audio version of this later, you can find me on Patreon at Page Turners BTM, Facebook, Page Turners Black, that's B L K, Instagram at Page Turners BST. I'm on YouTube, Page Turners BTM. I am everywhere. But one of the things I want to talk about before I dig into um, the actual text is the Patreon. I know a lot of people use their Patreon accounts as a way of supporting essentially what they are building, what they're putting together. They use it to help. They use it to help supplement some of the other costs that they particularly experience and deal with as someone who hosts uh, podcasts. I am looking to take 50% of the page turners money that I have coming in that comes in via Pacers via Patreon and take 50% of that and buy some books and give them out to people. So you essentially patron would be buying books for people and I would be going into the areas and giving these books out, man. I have a list of books that I need to get out to people so they can have them. Um, I need to do that pretty soon. Yeah. Hmm. It's a good idea for me to get that done. Okay. Well, anyway, again, my name is Elgin Bailey, AKA Big L, host of the Page Turners podcast, man, uh, where I take about 30 to 40 minutes, man, of reading through a text, giving some commentary on the particular text, helping to uh, illuminate or bring more light to particular readings. Uh, And again, This particular season, uh, season four, this is the myth and propaganda of black buying power. Uh, I'm going to dig in and 
let's get ready to rock and roll. Do 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 do. All right. Uh, and I read propaganda consciously targeted messaging meant to impact, limit, manipulate, and form public opinion is any organized or concerted group effort or movement to spread a particular doctrine or a system of doctrines or principles. It is mass persuasion with a purpose that advantages the sender. Propaganda is also understood to have a persuasive function, intend to reach a sizable target, audience, be representative of a specific group's agenda, and make use of faulty reasoning or emotional appeals. I highlighted this right here. And today, propaganda has been described as the primary means by which the elite communicate with the rest of us. Just in the United States alone, propaganda has been essential to the development of national myths of origin and a con construction of an anti-black consciousness described by W.E.B. Du Bois as the propaganda of history, meant both as a multimedia and multi-form attack against black people, and one meant also to establish a false consciousness of a singular superior and white humanity. As Du Bois was reaching his conclusion, the field of communication studies was evolving as an extension of the commercial and political elite and their particular interest in developing a new white American identity, an ability to manipulate that identity for support of war and a particular concept of the citizen as a consumer, writing the notions of democracy and capitalism into a new consumer consciousness. Included in this process was the popular rebranding of propaganda as public relations, <laughs> that's important, marketing or advertising. The long and global history of propaganda would, in the United States, take on a particular importance, power, and relevance in the 20th century. Government funding of communication studies research increased as methods for supporting war efforts, propagandizing the enemy, and generating support and enlistment at home were involved and imported domestically as methods of developing consumers, creating new citizens out of European immigrants, as well as discrediting descendants and descendant movements. It's really important. He's spending some time here in this particular text unpacking propaganda as the myth of buying power, the myth of this one point eight trillion dollars of black buying power has been cultivated and grown and manipulated and turned and cultivated into something else in this particular text dr ball is talking about propaganda versus economics the constructing of a myth today while there may be renewed excuse me and I read, today, while there may be renewed claims of foreign government infiltration and influence of the United States media, that media is already awash in so much commercial and government interest that outside messaging struggles to find room. <laughs> in 2008 alone, this is, this is good, in 2018, rather, alone, U.S. government commercial media collected 
$163 billion in ad revenue from just the top 20 ad buyers, assuring that historic arguments regarding corporate influence over media content, framing, and bias remain as relevant as ever. Now, let me listen, man. I'm going to stop here because I want to make sure we highlight that part right there, okay? In 2018 alone, 2018 alone, one year, U.S. commercial collect U.S. commercial media rather collected 163 billion dollars in ad revenue. Okay, one year, U.S. alone, 163 billion in ad revenue from just the top 200 ad buyers. 163 billion dollars, one year. 200. Now, that shows the influence and the power of the media to construct and to place and plant thoughts and why propaganda is so important. I'm watching the AAAA. I know I shouldn't be watching it. Roland Martin is, is doing this thing in Tulsa. Uh, commemorating uh, the folks who were uh, victims of white terrorism in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Black Wall Street, quote-unquote. Well, he's there, and he's having a conversation with Hill Harper. And him and Hill Harper are talking, and they're talking about ways of trying to hold these white ad companies accountable, right? So he's talking about how, you know, uh, McDonald's has made all this money off of black folks, but they only spend a certain amount. So I think it was like one or two percent of the McDonald's ad revenue is placed on black media platforms, but forty percent of their revenue is from black people. Now I don't. I, I would have to look at that data to verify it because it seems kind of skittish to me. But that's not the point. He passes the mic over to Hill Harper, right? And then he tells Hill Harper to go ahead and, you know, share his thoughts. And Hill Harper ends up saying, well, you know, all that is fine. Trying to hold these white corporations accountable is one thing, but it's a more important thing if we focus on us. Now, whenever you hear upper middle class to rich to wealthy black folks, when they're talking about money, begin to use terms like it starts with us. You know some bullshit should become. That should be a red flag. So he immediately starts talking that black America has $1.2 trillion in buying power, which if we compare it to other countries, we would be the 15th uh, largest company with, I mean, the largest country G GDP gross domestic product in the world. Like, if we had $1.000,000, we would be, comparatively, we would, black America would be equal to the 15th country we're ranking as far as gross domestic product. And he starts regurgitating all these other 
things about how long the dollar stays in the black community and how long it circulates. None of this fucking data is able to be substantiated. But the problem is you see black media regurgitating this same propaganda bullshit. The same sort of propaganda, you see them giving it out. So Hill Harper has the audacity in his ignorance to tell us that we, black folks, essentially, uh, the reason why we're in the position that we're in, this financial bind, why we're so broke, why we don't have money, is because we have not been taking care of this one point two trillion dollars of black buying power and what i'm telling you is the data doesn't line up black folks do not have 1.2 buying power does not equate to income assets real estate buying power doesn't equate to anything tangible buying power is a marketing tool okay and the actual idea and the way they cultivate this whole buying power number is via marketing. And that's really, really important to see. But you're going to see how the propaganda and the way that it has been used to get people to buy into this notion that we have this black this this buying power, you're going to see people regurgitate that bullshit all the time. You'll see it constantly and consistently. And this is the beautiful thing about this particular book by Dr. Jared Ball, The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power. He breaks down the myth, how it started, who perpetuates it, why it's been so damaging. Okay? And again, we're in chapter two. Chapter two is propaganda versus economics, constructing the myth. We're digging deep into the propaganda, how the propaganda was cultivated, why it's so important to examine, and what it means. Okay? And I read, similarly, further complicating the matter, so much of what is often dismissed as entertainment is itself the product of U.S. intelligence agencies and public relations, meaning that even our favorite television shows are often dramatized or comedic, ideological, political advertising delivered between more overt commercial marketing. Pay attention to this piece right here. The number of pro-U.S military and police programming written and produced directed by current or former intelligence agency is nearly 2000 in television alone. I don't know if he addresses it in this particular text, but I was reading it somewhere and, and, and maybe I'll find it and add it to the, to the notes, but the number of pro pro police television pro police tv shows and pro military shows is astronomical and we in the abolition circles tend to call it copaganda how essentially we have been inundated with television shows to make us feel more comfortable and have a different more quote-unquote healthy view of the police and i can't remember what was it dragnet oh man 
during the Watts riots, one of these TV shows was aired and they put it on TV at a specific time as a way of inundating the viewers with a different perspective from what they were getting of the police. So they put it on TV to make people feel more comfortable and better about the police. And I don't think we, if we stop and think about it, some of your favorite TV shows, particularly dramas, have some sort of pro-police, pro-military angle to it. Even one of my particular all-time favorite shows, I think it is the greatest TV drama of all time, The Wire. The Wire is a very much a pro-police television show because even as much as a scumbag as McNulty is there's some they make him in some instances very endearing and easy and palatable to deal with let me get back to the text and I read what is promoted as news is often government, military, and commercial interests packed as objective reporting to disguise its function as message force multiplication. And I'm going to add this other component, too, about the propaganda. So many people often harp on Fox News for its <laughs> right-wing reporting. And, you know, when the orange dude was in office, very pro-Trump. But that's that's what propaganda is. Propaganda is a using a particular platform as a way of getting a particular message out that you want to have out there to get people to line up to a particular thinking that you desire to do. But the thing is that so many people think that Fox News is the only one who was participating in that. So all of your news outlets are doing that shit. CNN, all of them. They're all owned by a corporation whose chief function is not fair journalism. It's money. And I read, propaganda has been commercialized as public relations, popularized as brand marketing, and militarized as psychological war, psychological warfare. And I'm going to read that shit again because that right there Propaganda has been commercialized as public relations, popularized as brand marketing, and militarized as psychological warfare. It is no wonder that media theorist Marshall McLuhan once described advertising as a vast military operation which helps in reducing us all to fish who cannot have discovered water because... Do you get it? Describe it once described advertising as a vast military operation, which helps in reducing us all to fish who could not have discovered water. Ah, here we go. Unfortunately, the myth of black buying power is bolstered in its anonymous by a national demographic shift toward becoming majority-minority, but in such a way that matches a media system already in place described as one of apartheid. That is, we already have a majority population of the so-called people of color, 
women and poor, who are regulated to accept an imposed media environment produced by and for minority affluent white population. Or as he's been said, our economic social reality is fast coming to match an apartheid already existing in our media. Exploring the origins and rise of the myth of black buying power shows how that affluent white minority projects projects its interests by promoting them via ad spending in black media. Now, remember, I talked about Roland Martin earlier. Let, let, me, let me read that last sentence again, because I, I don't want you to miss that. Exploring the origins and rise of the myth of black buying power shows how that affluent white minority project projects its interests by promoting them via ad spending in black media. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of chapter two. And you notice, as I scroll through the book, Dr. Ball is a scholar. Footnotes galore, references, everything is cited. And this right here, oh man, I'm even unsure if I want to start this right now. Because this is the piece, right? This piece right here, when I start talking about buying power, one of the things that I learned reading Black Awakening in Capitalist America by the great Richard L. Allen is how intentional the government has been in using certain things as a way of squelching, squashing, diverting, and distracting us from the type of protest that we need to, to do in order to get our type of liberation. Now, I tend to only do this, this podcast, man, for 30, 35 minutes. So I'm going to start chapter three and get it started, Okay. Chapter three begins. The title is Buying Power, Not Protests. The Myth Prevents the Unrest. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I love it. 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 Oh, man. I love it. Buying Power, Not Protests. The myth prevents unrest. The abstract. The history of buying power is all but entirely neglected, but reveals plenty regarding its development today. Buying power originated as a focal point of study precisely to assure societal peace based upon working people being able to afford the products they produce. From there, buying power would be adapted by government business in both white and black commercial presses and used to promote a black economic unreality designed to attract and direct advertising revenue. I'm going to read that abstract again because I think it's important. The history of buying power is all but entirely neglected but reveals plenty regarding its develop deployment today. Buying power originated as a focal point of study precisely to assure societal peace based upon working people being able to afford the products they produce. From there, buying power would be adapted by government business in both white and black commercial presses and used to promote a black economic unreality designed to attract and direct advertising revenue. Okay. And I read, it is a 
fascinating paradox that buying power as a concept originates in the late 19th century tensions between U.S. workers wanting to compel honest and accurate government assessment of their conditions and government wanting to use that research to alleviate those concerns in an effort to prevent rebellion. <laughs> workers wanted proof of the actual value of their earnings to show whether they were indeed earning a wage commensurate commensurate I'm going to destroy that word and I'm not shouldn't with the value of what their labor produced and assurances that those wages could increasingly keep up with if not surpass the rising cost of goods and other services so the labor folks went to the companies they worked for and said, hey, man, listen, we want proof of our actual value. We, we want to know what we mean to your company. And then we want to be paid accordingly. And as our work increases and gets better and continues to thrive, which means your company continues to thrive, we want to be compensated for what happens. So that means that you can't get more money while we're doing all the doggone work and we building and grinding and all that type of shit. And you just sitting here counting your money and we never get a fucking wage and a, a, a living wage out of you. Labor folks was like, nah, player new. No. But they begin to use the buying power as a way to prevent rebellion. Let me continue to read. Workers wanted proof of their actual value of their earnings. They wanted proof. Working people wanted evidence that their incomes were enough to survive, if not advance, in a growing, changing national economy. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, that's anybody who is working. That's what you should want. You should want evidence that your incomes are enough to survive, if not advance, in a growing and changing national economy. You should want to know, right? You should want to see evidence. The government wanted the research to help manage the growing gaps and related tensions between their workers. With what workers? The government wanted the research to help manage the growing gaps and related tensions between what workers were being paid and what owners were making and where goods were priced. Here we go. Man, shout out to Dr. Jared Ball for this, man. Woo. Season four, ladies and gentlemen, Page Turner's podcast. We in this joint, the myth and propaganda of black buying power. We are in chapter three. And I read, today, the concept of buying power is largely used against an advancing working class consciousness with an effect that is primarily to falsely convince audiences of an economic reality which simply does not exist. I'm going to read that shit again. Today, 
the concept of buying power is largely used against an advancing working class consciousness with an effect that is primarily to falsely convince audiences of an economic reality which simply does not fucking exist. Rather than informing, sorry, and I read, rather than informing, in this case, black people of their actual condition relative to the economy, the actual value of money earned, and what that money can or cannot do within the national economy, buying power is used to weaken understanding while promoting a non-existent economic strength. That fascinating paradox is exposed when it is unraveled that studies initiated by federal government to reduce strife between public labor and private capital by informing all involved of their precise conditions have largely come to do just that by instead convincing all relevant parties falsely of their current conditions using imprecise reports produce privately and impose on a largely misinformed public boy that shit pisses me off i mean listen rather than informing in this case black people of their actual condition relative to the economy the actual value of the money earned and what that money can or cannot do within the national economy buying power is used to weaken understanding while promoting a non-existent economic strength there is no fucking buying power ladies and gentlemen family there is no buying power you can't cash buying power you can't take buying power to pay your motherfucking mortgage you can't use buying power to pay your fucking rent your baby can't wear buying power diapers. You can't put buying power fucking gas in your car. When it comes time for you to pay your child support or pay your fucking taxes or just get some fucking food, you can't get fooled on motherfucking buying power. Again, that's, I'm fucking cussing because that shit, listen, man, it's always upper middle class, rich and wealthy folks telling poor people how to manage their damn money. It's always y'all telling poor people how to manage their money. That if poor people just did their money better, if they just had financial literacy classes. If you just took better care of your money. The fucking mean took better. How do you take better care of some shit that you ain't fucking got? Literally, it's like telling motherfuckers to go out, to go out and buy, you know, some some armor and, and and turtle wax and towels and buckets and sponges, so they can continue to keep their non-existent fucking car clean.
But that's the bullshit that they be on. And you can see it pisses me off. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Page Turners Podcast. It's your boy, Big L. Season 4, Episode 5, with the myth and propaganda of black buying power. Once again, I want to highlight the Patreon. Again, I'm not trying to get rich off of your money. Whatever you give, 50% of that money will go back into the community. You can find me on all your social media platforms on the Patreon, Page Turners BTM, Facebook, Page Turners BLK, Instagram, Page Turners BST, YouTube, Page Turners BTM. I'm everywhere on this joint, man. Punching this damn myth in the face because I'm tired of that shit. I want to thank you all for tuning in to another episode, man. I love you. I appreciate you. And make sure, above all, you take care of yourself, man. Until next time, I'm out.